This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. A science story, huh? And I just thought, well, I figured it out. I it was that golden moment. Because science was on my side. Hi everyone, I'm Ben Lilly, and welcome to the Story Collider, where we bring you true stories of how science has affected people's lives. This week's story is from Emily Grassley. The story was recorded in September 2013 at the Middle East in Cambridge, Massachusetts. The theme of the evening was Poisons and Passions. Hi, my name is Emily, and I have a confession to make. Um, that is, I never wanted to be a scientist. I, uh, I wanted to be a large-scale landscape artist. I graduated in 2011 with a Bachelor of Fine Art in Painting. My senior thesis work was an 8 by 14 foot painting of a thunder cell coming in over the South Dakota prairie um, where I grew up. I was really fortunate to have understanding parents. Um, my mom is a family practice physician and she never once pressured me into following in her footsteps, which is pretty embarrassing for me. Uh, if I consider how hard she had it. She grew up in a single-parent household in rural South Dakota in the 1960s and 70s. Her mother had an eighth-grade education, and her her uh, grandparents didn't get past the third grade. So growing up, my mom didn't have any really good educational role models. You know, my grandma wanted my mom to marry the nice farmer man down the road who could see he had the prettiest blue eyes. And uh, my mom did really well in school. She decided she wanted to go to college. Um, When she got to college, she thought she had three options. She could be a teacher, admirable. She could be a nurse, also good. Or she could be a secretary. And my mom knew she didn't want to be anybody's farm wife, and she didn't want to be anybody's secretary. Um, So she decided to go for the science route. And she was pursuing a degree as a med tech. Uh, Got to talking to some people she went to high school with, and they were in medical school. And my mom's like, well, if these jokers can get into medical school, and she knew she was way smarter than they were, she could do it. So she did. And she became the first woman physician to deliver a baby as the acting doctor in our town in South Dakota. Admittedly, it wasn't very big, and it's South Dakota. But she was the first (laughs) woman doctor, not as a nurse and not as a midwife. So I grew up with my mom being such a fantastic role model to me as a woman. Um, And I was so intimidated by her. I was like, I'm never going to be as smart as my mom. And I never wanted to be a scientist because my mom didn't get a B on the PTA. And my mom didn't get to bake brownies for the school bake sale. And she didn't get to drive the car when we would go on field trips. And um, she was working a lot, which which is fine. But it never really inspired me to do what she did. So when it came for me to go into college, I decided I would get an art degree because you could be good at art without being good at art. You just had to be good at justifying your actions, um, which I was awesome at. 
So my senior year, I'm sitting in drawing class talking to my friend Katie, and we had just wrapped up a really riveting session of wine bottles or plastic vegetables, and I was complaining to her like I was getting nothing out of this. Three and a half years into my degree, and I still felt like we weren't having an opportunity to do art. We'd have a model, and the model would leave, and in the interim, there was no time to actually be actively doing art. And she said, well, at one point, she had checked out some specimens from the Zoological Museum on campus, and I said, whoa, what, what? What's a zoological museum? And she's like, it's just this place with some cabinets and some skeletons and skulls and stuff. It's not even a big deal. It's like a research museum. Only like one guy works there part-time. You can hardly even get in. And I was like, okay, that sounds totally underwhelming. Thanks. So I didn't think about it. And then I was on Facebook one day, and I saw that one of my coworkers from the campus convenience store had uploaded some photos into an album. And they were photos of severed wolf heads on lunch trays and what looked to be an ostrich leg in a colony of beetles and ram heads and skeletons and skulls and all kinds of weird, gross things. And so I went to work and I was like, what? Where, where did these come from? And she said, I'm a volunteer in this zoological museum. And I had never heard of this place in three and a half years. So I begged her to take me. And we were walking across campus to the science part of campus that I never went to because I was on the art side of campus. And I will never forget the first time I walked into the Philip L. Wright Zoological Museum. It was like the air was totally sucked out of me. It wasn't just a room with a cabinet with some skulls. They were cabinets from the floor to ceiling. On every square inch of every surface in this place was packed with specimens and skulls. And there was a pilot whale skull next to 70 grizzly bears on shelves. And they would go all the way to the ceiling. And there were boxes just stacked in every possible place. And I was so overwhelmed because for the first time in my life, I regretted not pursuing science. I I regretted giving up that chance to be a scientist. And I regretted being so devoted to this art degree and so narrow-minded. So I realized I had one semester left, and I didn't have time to change my degree. I didn't want to be an undergraduate forever. So um, I decided that I would pursue an independent study internship in scientific illustration. And I was bound and determined to draw every last specimen in that museum, and there were 24,000 of them. I was going to do it. So I, I, uh, there was only one part-time curator, and he agreed to oversee this internship. And it was pretty soon after I started that I realized there was no place to even set up my notebook. There was just no table space. It, they were so far behind on work. So I'm like, well, I'll just move some stuff off the table. But you couldn't just move it to the side. You had to put it away. But in order to put it away, you had to figure out what it was. And so I started familiarizing myself with these different animals and getting to know the different parts of the museum. And once I had them cataloged, I could put them in the collection. But then the collection was over full. So then I had to reorganize the collection. And then in order to do that, I had to know even more. And pretty soon, I was taking stuff from the prep lab down the hall, and I was helping clean specimens and dissecting mice and running the dermestid colony, which are flesh-eating beetles. You should look into it. They're pretty cool. Um, and, and all of a sudden, I had familiarized myself with the process of this museum, and then I, I graduated. And, like, that was it. And I couldn't find a job. Go figure. Like, what was I going to do with my studio art degree? Um, I got a job in the stadium selling T-shirts during football games, which was pretty ironic because I never once set foot in that stadium as an undergraduate, and they were literally having to pay me to go in there. 
And it was so frustrating for me to be helping support this football team when I knew we had this amazing resource on campus that was not being used. And it was a really awful time in my life. All my friends had moved away. I was living with my boyfriend, and things were not going well. I was totally broke, and all I could do was spend every moment of my free time in this museum. I got a job as a baker eventually, and I had a split shift. So I was working from like 7 to 10 in the morning, but then I had this big gap in the middle of the day from like 10 to 7. And so I was going to campus before my night shift. And uh, at that point, I had started a blog. I was documenting everything I was doing in the museum. I was giving tours to art students. I was organizing art shows from people in the community who I brought in to use the collection to show interdisciplinary potential for this place. I was, uh, I was helping to identify faunal remains from archaeological sites, and eventually I was the unpaid TA for the graduate-level vertebrate osteology course, where we taught people how to identify animal bones when they were out in the woods. This thing is you know, important for forensic anthropologists. And... Um, <laughs> I was spending every waking moment in this place. I was running the preparation lab and, um, you know, cleaning all kinds of skulls and bones and specimens. And it got to the point where, like, it would be 7 o'clock and I'd have to run to work. And I'm like, oh, shit. Like, (laughs) I was, like, at work cutting deli meats for tomorrow's sandwiches. And I was looking at my hands and realizing, like, just 20 minutes before, I had been pulling out viscera from a bighorn sheep. And, like, I didn't tell my coworkers what I was doing. I was leading this double life. Um, I was really kind of ashamed of it and embarrassed because I wasn't a scientist. I was just doing this just for fun, right? At that point, my apartment was in shambles. My relationship was totally awful. And uh, I just knew that I couldn't keep it up. I knew I couldn't keep volunteering. It was going to get me nowhere. Um, And I knew that I just had to quit and I had to get a real job. So I quit my job, because that made more sense to me. And I moved out on my own, and I got my own place for the first time in four years. I was on my own, without a job. I applied to the Johns Hopkins Master of Art Museum Studies program, which is distance learning based, so I could keep volunteering in the museum, and I didn't even have to move to Baltimore. And it was incredible, because I was still spending all of this time in the museum and contacting newspapers and getting this momentum going and talking about it. And two months into my graduate program, I was visited by a guy named Hank Green, who makes educational videos for YouTube. And I gave him a tour of the museum, which he uploaded on his channel, which has a million subscribers. And overnight, I'm not even kidding, he sent me an email and he asked if he could help me produce the show about the work that I was doing because he thought it was so important. And so in January of this year, we launched the Brain Scoop. And in April, a fan of ours sent my producer and I to the Field Museum to film their annual Members' Night event. And when I got there, they had seen my show, which was amazing, because I was just this volunteer in Montana. And they gave us this behind-the-scenes tours for three days, and at the end of the three days, they sat down with me and they offered me a job because they wanted to help us continue producing this content, which we had been doing with no budget for free. And they wanted to give me a job. So in July of this year, I moved to Chicago and I became the Field Museum's first ever chief curiosity correspondent. (laughs) And now it is literally my job to share what I do and the amazing things about natural history museums with the world. Thank you. That was Emily Grassley. 
Emily graduated from the University of Montana with a BFA in painting in 2011. She's currently the chief curiosity correspondent for the Field Museum and is the host of The Brain Scoop, which you can find at youtube.com slash thebrainscoop. This event was presented as part of the Conference on the Evolving Culture of Science Engagement and was generously sponsored by the Intel Corporation. For more science stories, take a look at storycollider.org, where we have archives of the podcast and upcoming events. The Story Collider is produced by me, Brian Wecht, Aaron Barker, and Ari Daniel. The podcast is produced by Rose Eveleth. Additional help from Brooke Williams, Lena Groger, and Justin D'Ambrosio. The theme music is by Ghost. Special thanks to the Middle East for hosting the show, to Ben Weehy for tremendous help, and to Physics for not involving any dissections. Thanks for listening. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in business into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu.